You alright? My name's Paul, I've got autism, and I make random videos based on my version of autism and the way my head works, and I stick the videos on the internet in case you fancy watching them. And at the time of filming this video, I'm unemployed, um, so I thought of money quite recently and thinking of how, you know, to go from a salary to zero pounds and zero pence can be interesting. Uh, but it did get me thinking about money and why I don't have the same thought process as nearly everybody else I've ever met when it comes to money. Um, you know, I've lost friends because we have different opinions over money. Um, not me. I wasn't. I wasn't the one who disappeared. But because I can't share somebody's belief and conviction over what money is, they just flirt off, which is a weird. If you don't owe somebody money, I don't see why you should fall out over it. It's a weird thing, but so I just want to pick it apart if you would be so kind as to try and talk my thought process over it. So you can only do that by going all the way back to the beginning, can't we? Because I think in my formative years, you know, in my uh, much younger life, that's where I discovered what money was, you know, like the value of things. Because, you know, I grew up in a dirt poor place. And my mum had no money. My father, um, in air quotes, you know, never contributed one pence towards my upbringing. So we lived in a rough area, in a small flat, and my mum had no money. And I don't mean, there's some people who go, oh, I've got no money, but then they've got a bank account with a few hundred quid in it. No, no, you have a few hundred quid, mate. You do have money. You know, my mum would have two pennies in her purse, and that would be every single bit of money left in the world that was attributed to her name. Absolutely everything. You know, there's no bank account with sne sneaky money in. There was no um, you know envelope under a mattress with some money in. That was it. Two pence would be left in a purse after paying the bills and buying the cheapest food money could buy and it was tough you know my mum ultimately in the end uh, developed a stress-induced illness and ended up in hospital nearly dying if she'd have lost a quarter of a pint more of blood she would have been dead if it was one more day she would have been dead she's in hospital for months um trying to rebuild and i had to go and live with my auntie because of money because of not having any of it to we were, I think if, you know, if we were to properly look back at it, how we survived is, you know, you've, you've got to wonder how. Because <laughs> I think I've told you about like the standard of food as well, like that, that time, that, that memory that's burnt in my head where I had a plate of this mince that was just gristle and, you know, there was like a, a gun pellet actually in the food which was coming out of this tin of gristle mince. You know, and I just said to me, I wanted to leave it. And my mum's like, well, look, if you leave that, there is absolutely nothing else. And I'm like, well, that's fine. You know, because I'd rather go hungry than eat gristle and gun pellets. You know, and I think the crazy thing is there was a, a, a school friend whose mum was convinced I was a spoiled kid, you know, because I was an only child. Oh, must be spoiled. You get everything given. Yeah. You know, you're, you get more at Christmas and birthdays than I can get for my kids. 
you know, but little does she know that when, when I was in my 30s, I paid a debt off, um, you know, for my mum that she still had for buying gifts, you know, and she just kept transferring from credit card to credit card. And you're talking about, you know, a good 30 years on and she was still trying to just break even on these payments. And I, I you know, I managed to help to get that cleared. And, you know, this is something people like, you know, the jealous lady will never understand just actually what happens behind closed doors, you know. But, you know, it's, it's the memories that you live with for it. Like, you know, our house or our flat didn't have carpets. It came with carpet from the last resident and it was threadbare. You know, I remember the concrete floor and just feeling the, the hatching underneath of the carpet because there was no thread left. Like every now and again, you'd stand on a bent over nail where someone had nailed a carpet into a floor. Um, you know, and when we did get carpet, it came from my uncle. Like my clothes came from my cousin, you know, my older cousin. And I used to look forward to getting them, but I never had first hand clothes. I didn't even go into a, into a, a hairdresser's until I was about 10. And that's only because my friend who was, did us like a sleepover with, He's early in the morning. His dad went, right, come on. We're going to go and get your hair cut. And it was like, are you coming? I was like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we just all got in the car, went to this hairdresser's in Moss Side, and my mate had his hair cut. And I remember sitting there thinking, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, because I was so used to just having my hair cut by my mum. A homebrew, as we used to call it, and I've no idea why. You know, we just we just had no money, so because I didn't have money, I didn't know what money was. You know, I just knew that you needed it to not feel as crap as we did. You know, to you needed money to not be cold. You needed money to not have shoes on that had holes. You know, like to this day, I hate, and I think everybody does anyway, but I hate standing in in water when I've got socks on. Um, like my dog, George, he just laps his water out of his bowl and halfway through lapping, he just walks off. So it's just dripping all out of his mouth all over the kitchen floor. And if I've not been in the kitchen and don't know, I stand in water and it's like, ah, horrible feeling. But that to me is linked in my mind of when I was at school, when I was in like the primary school, infant schools and come rain or shine, you got kicked out of the school at break times. There was no like hall to sit in. You got kicked out and you had to be in the playground and loads of kids would just be stood against the wall, just hoping not to get soaked by all the rain. Uh, but I just remember being in the car, uh, in the car park, in the, uh, in the playground, in the yard with, you know, feeling the water soaking up into my socks because um, I had holes in the bottom of my shoes because they'd worn down that much because they were just cheap, nasty, trainers from brands you've never heard of and will never see again and then i remember going back into class and it might have been cold and wet outside the class might have had a you know uh one of the water-based radiators on and you could feel the heat and i would like you know like i don't know you just feel you getting warm but still feeling the cold sogginess on your feet and how much it irritated your skin and it was horrible man you know and like even my small toe on my left foot it curls under my other toe and that's because you know we couldn't afford or my mum couldn't afford the next size up in trainers um to allow my feet to grow properly so they've been a bit 
buckled with you know the shoes that we had. So you know, money was you need money to not feel cold. You need money to have trainers without holes in. You need money to go and get your hair cut by someone who's not your mum. Now that's what money was to me. And remembering in school where people, you know, we come to the summer holidays and be like, what are you doing on your, in the summer holidays? And people would be like, oh, I'm going to Spain. I'm going to Mallorca. Yeah, I'm going on a plane, going to America. What about you, man? What are you doing? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to work with my mum every day because, you know, we can't afford to go on holiday and she can't leave me at home by herself. So when my mum worked on the bar, I'd be in the rear pub garden for like the duration of a shift. You know, so it, was a, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't a fun or affluent upbringing. Um, you know, and then I remember getting older and I remember dating this girl and she was, she came from a, a wealthy family because her dad was minted. You know, he was sort of like the UK lead for whatever this international business was that he worked for. And once a month, he would take us all out for a meal, like him, his wife, the girl I was dating, me, her brother, and the uh, whichever girl he was dating. Like every month, there was a different girl there. Uh, he went through them like nobody's business. But, um, you know, I, I remember feeling cheeky, feeling not worthy. There we go. I felt not worthy that I was allowed to come along to these sorts of things. It was like, no, I, if I can't contribute, I shouldn't be here. Even eating out, I felt like because I was a dirt poor kid from a dirt poor area, this is what the other side do. This is what the fancy people do. This is what people with money do. And I'm a traitor doing this. I'm, you know, this is above my station. I should be going back to the, you know, to the rough areas and just sticking around there. How dare I leave? Uh, and, and I used to like not get starters. I used to find the cheapest thing on the menu every time and order it um, just because I felt too cheeky and I didn't have money myself to contribute. Uh, but as bad as it sounds, I, I dated that girl because she was my in my head. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but I was young, so bear with me. She was my ticket out of the hood. You know? <laughs> um, she, because otherwise I was going to just stay in the hood forever and I was never going to get out and this that was going to be my life and that's because I was young and naive you know as whereas now I'm fully aware if you want something in life you work for it you know where you're born how you're born has got nothing to do with it it's about your attitude and your ethic you know that's what gets you out that's what stops you being of that mentality believing that you know the brickwork and the air you breathe in that postcode you live in is the reason you can't do well ridiculous it's a silly mentality and people need to snap out of that i've worked hard and i'm showing what i've got for it. I've, you know and don't get me wrong life could be a thousand percent better but i also know it can be a thousand percent worse um but because i was young and daft i believed the hood mentality existed and don't get me wrong you know there's still a bunch of people i think there's only about three people i actually knew and grew up with who ever left uh, withinshaw you know let alone leaving Manchester. But, you know, like at school, we had a porter cabin on our school grounds where all the girls who were pregnant under 16 would all get educated. Um, like there was a lad, and I think before he was 17, he had four daughters. You know, and it's just, it was kind of like, why? Why, why, don't, why is that all you're doing? You know, you don't just go to school as a kid and then have kids. It was nuts. Uh, but people were like, well, what else is there to do? You know, this is it. 
you know, like I say, that hood mentality nonsense of, well, you know, it's not like I'm going to get a good job, is it? I might as well just do this. You know, I might as well be good at something. And then they don't raise the kids. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, friends, you know, friends of mine, people I grew up with, like there was a lad who I knew for quite a large portion of my life. And the way we both view money, part of me thinks is why we don't talk anymore. You know, kind of had a bit of an impact because he had such such a drive to reach a certain point in life by certain ages and you should be doing this. This is what you should do. You have to be doing this with a lot of things in life, whereas I was very nonchalant about those those things. You know, like he would... I'll give you a few examples. Like he would genuinely have left a, uh, an employer if another employer would offer him five pence a year more because he was so driven by... You've, it's it's not what you do, it's how you earn your money. Whereas I want to have interest in what I do. Because if I'm just a robot, because I'm chasing that paycheck, that paycheck will someday not feel as big as it once did, and I'll have to then jump somewhere else and chase that paycheck, and then that paycheck won't feel as big as it once did, and I'll just be caught up in a, in a, in a cycle of unhappy anxiety chasing something that... You know, what's the point? Um, but, you know, he's that, it was that tight over money. I, and I've probably shared this story before, but he lost his nut because the sandwich shop charged him 50p for salad on a, on a roll. So, like, one mate got a ham roll or a ham balm, if you're from where I'm from. And uh, it's just where I live now. They call them a roll. And, and I don't want to get into the bread conversation. Everybody argues about what the name is for, a, you know, something about a, a bread product. We're not doing that, all right? I know there's lots of different names for it. Um, but, yeah, one mate went in, got a ham roll. He asked for a ham salad roll, and the difference was 50 pence. And he was walking around holding it like it was the Holy Grail, like staring at it going, 50p a salad? I can go in the shops and buy those pieces of salad for 50p. Why have they charged 50p? Forgetting that they've got staff, overheads, energy bills, you know, the, the fridge that it was all kept and chilled in, the fact that a person had to chop it all up and prepare it and actually prepare a sandwich for him, forgetting that people do need to make money for a successful business. And he was even saying, should I take this back? Well, if you can, you know, I don't think anyone's going to accept a uh, sandwich back after you've parted with your money because you're upset with 50p for salad. Salad, 50p. Uh, but he was that tight with money that, like, um, when he used to give a mate of mine a lift home, if they've been somewhere or done whatever, he would always drop him before the bridge. So there was a bridge, literally, you know, like over a motorway bridge. and. My mate lived on the other side, literally just on the other side of it. And he wouldn't drive over because he would have to have turned around in this pub car park and drove back over the bridge again. And he would always drop him before the bridge to just not put that extra bit of wear and tear on the car, to not put that little bit of extra fuel out. And it's like, you're really thinking like that. He, the car, actually, the car he bought was, you know, when, when he bought the car and I said, oh, how come you've gone for one of them? He just went, because it won't depreciate. It's already a cheap car. It doesn't lose much. So when it comes time to sell it, I won't lose much of the money I paid for it. And I thought, what a weird way to look at how you purchase things. You know, that's like buying a house and going, right, well, you know, instead of buying a house in an area I want to live in and making it a home, 
you know, when it comes to sell, <laughs> like, who cares? It's about what you do now, not what it might do in a million years. You know, like my car, like, and the crazy thing is this guy makes big trips up and down motorways in an uncomfortable vehicle. I make big trips up and down the motorway and I haven't got a fancy car. I've got a Ford Focus, but it's a Ford Focus Titanium X. So it's got comfy seats. It's got climate control, does good miles to the gallon, you know, so at least I'm comfortable. And the only thing I really have to lose is the time that it takes to travel. I'm not, you know, like getting out the car, sweating and feeling gross and, oh, my back's killing because my seats aren't comfy. You know, I just, I don't know, um, different mentalities, I guess. But, you know, I, we, we always just had a very different idea on what money is. He has to chase it because you should earn so much to have a certain lifestyle, to have a certain image, to have a certain house, to have a certain um, standard of living. You must go on holiday twice a year. You've got to be able to do this. You've got to be able to do that. Whereas I never had any of that. I just didn't want to eat shotgun pellets out of my food. You know, I didn't want to eat grisly mince. I just wanted to, like I said, I, I did feel like I was imposing when I went to a restaurant, you know, and I just wanted to not feel like that anymore. Um, because money does mean different things to different people, doesn't it? Like you're probably listening to me going, no, no, Paul, money's far more important than you're making out and you're, you're full of it, you're lying, money matters to you. Like, it doesn't, it's a means to an end, you know, that's, it's nothing... You know, I don't put any extra thought in it. And I've got a mate who lives around the corner and he is living his life to get to retirement age. And he's retiring early because he can, you know, like he uh, was mortgage free by the time he was 40, probably 30. I'm not sure. But, you know, he, um, you know, he just he was at the right place at the right time in certain stages in life. And, uh, you know, some things went in his favor. Some things went in his favor with a bit of skill as well as luck. You know, fair play to the guy. I don't. You know, I, I just wish people happiness and health. I'm not bothered outside of that. But he's 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 doing all these different tasks and jobs and he's always good at what he does. He throws himself in a thousand percent and fair play to the guy. You know, I, how he does it is a foreign language to me. But he's chasing a day that might never come because he's chasing retirement, you know, and even though he's after it in the next four years, I think, fair play, and hopefully he'll get there. But there's this picture that lives in my head. And it's an old couple on a gondola in um, Italy. And the person, you know, on the gondola is laughing. People in the picture are laughing. And these two all cut, this old couple are just snoring the face off. And the quote at the bottom just says, you know, uh, don't wait to do everything you want until retirement. You know, because it's like, well, look at them. They can't even appreciate what they're doing. You know, and how can you make a memory if you're asleep? Um, and because obviously my best mate passed away when he was 32, which had a massive knock on effect for me. And I've been riddled with health issues and not the best of luck in certain areas. I just haven't got in my in the way I'm designed, I haven't got the audacity to think I'll make it to pension age. So I have to live today because I can't just wait for a day that might never come. So me and my the guy around the corner, very different mindsets, very different thought processes, you know. Some people get impressed by money. I don't. Like I said, it is literally just a function for me to gain the bare minimum it holds no value it holds no it's not emotional i don't it doesn't hold emotion for me you know it, it really is just digits on an atm it's just numbers i can write numbers in notepad on the computer if i want 
You know, it, it's just exactly the same. It doesn't do anything. But you know, losing friends in the past because they've not deemed I'm ambitious enough to want to earn that money, to want to do that job. You know, I remember talking to a because this is this is honest, but I I could if I wanted to now just walk almost walk into a management role into the type of work I do because I've done it for so long. There isn't many stones that are left unturned. And I could go to a smaller company and become a manager and earn, on average, between fifteen to twenty-five thousand pounds a year more than I earn for doing what I do now. But what I earn now pays my bills, buys my food, and breaks me even. So why do we need more money? What, what, what will more money bring me? I don't know. And people will say, well, put it away for your pension age. I can't fathom that I'll get to pension age. You know, I think my pension age is 70. You know, left-handed people die earlier, apparently. And I'm left-handed to right, play guitar. Uh, yeah, left-handed to right, and I play guitar with my right hand. So I'm ambidextrous, I think it's called. But because I use my left hand for writing, apparently, you know, people die early from that. People die early for having autism. People die early for having comorbidities. So by rights, I probably should have died five years ago. You know, so it's how am I going to reach 70 years old? That sounds like such an age. You know, people in my family, you know, like the grandparents' age, they they they, they didn't get close to that. So uh, who knows? But I'm not going to just work harder to earn more money that I'm not actually spending. That makes no sense. But I've lost people close to me because they can't figure that out. Like, if you can earn money, why won't you earn it? Because like I said, it's there to earn the bare minimum. All I, Like, for me, my ambition was to avoid living where I grew up. I didn't want to live next door to noisy neighbours, to drug dealers, to people who want to rob your house the second you leave it. I didn't want to grow up in a I didn't I didn't want to be someone in a in a house with bare floors and threadbare carpets or having a carpet off off an uncle when he was getting a new one and I'm having just all these cut up bits all over the place. You know, I didn't want to eat uh bullet mints. I, I wanted to be able to put my heating on. You know, I wanted to be able to buy my own clothes. You know, they were, you know, they, they were my ambitions to not feel as an adult as I had to feel as a kid. That was my ambition. It wasn't to buy a big fancy house, a big fancy car, live a certain lifestyle. It was to just not feel that way again. And I even went, because of the clothes situation, you know, I remember when I was 16, because they were always hand-me-downs from my cousin as a kid. When I, when I started working, all I spent money on was clothes. And I remember when it came to a time where I had to go through them and throw a few away or, sorry, give them to charity, not throw them away. Um, I ended up having about three bin bags and I'd not even got like halfway through because I would buy a brand, but I would buy the cheapest version of the top they had so I could buy multiple versions of it because I would rather have multiple tops than just one top you know because back then it was about um quantity over quality whereas today it's more about quality over quantity and i did that because i just never wanted to be in that situation again where i felt like i you know 
where I felt like I wouldn't have had a selection of clothes and because I never had my own, I wanted my own. And thankfully, I, you know, I've, I've brought myself out of all that nonsense. Now, I've still got far too many clothes, but that's because I'll buy for, like, I went through a stage where I didn't want to wear T-shirts anymore, I wanted to wear collared tops. So I, I still had all the T-shirts, you know, and you still need a few. And then winter comes around, need a few long sleeve tops. And I just ended up with having, you know, a fair whack of them. And then because I work away and I'm not home often, I don't get to do a washing often. So you always need spare clothes while you've got quite a few backed up on your uh, washing pile. So there's all sorts of stuff, you know, but there are people with tons of money, you know, like this is why I don't do politics because how could someone like Boris Johnson who went to Eton, which is about 50 grand a term, how can someone like that from that background have a clue what it's like to be the kid you know, with threadbare carpets, with hand-me-down clothes, getting his hair cut by his mum. You know, how can... Because that's 50 grand a term, not for your entire, you know, time there. But who then, anyway, has £50,000 spare to go, do you know what? I think I'll drop a kid off at that school. You have to... Because you've got to pay your bills. You've got to have a... You've got to, be, you know, pay yourself first. You buy your food. And then to still have, after food, cars, holidays, whatever, 50 grand left to knock a kid out to a private school. It's another world. That's white privilege. <laughs> where was mine? <laughs> I don't have none of that. You know, it's like where I live now. You know, there's a house a few doors away and there's a young couple there. They're about 35 at best. And the house is like half a million quid. You know, and you just think, how did you earn that money to get that house? Bank of mum and dad. There's a guy across the road. Blimey. Well, when I say next door and across the road, you know, we're going some distances. but. You know, the guy across the way lives by himself. Again, half a million pound house. It's like my house is like their shed, you know, for the size of their house compared to mine. And, you know, like the other day, like I remember when he got his back garden all done up, it was like, you know, fancy pants stuff. And he got a like this jacuzzi and all sorts. It's like, you buy yourself. Where's your money from? But like I say, the other day, just rolls this 2004 um, Aston Martin out of his garage and it's like, oh, come on. You're taking the mick, mate. Like, you've got that much money, you just do not know what to spend it on. So you buy yourself an half a million pound house, spend 25 grand in your back garden and now you've got an Aston Martin. Who are these people? Where's this money come from? It blows my mind, honestly, it does. You know, so when people do talk about white, white privilege, they're on about people like this who've had parents who can drop money down to them. You know, I didn't leave home with a deposit for a house. I left with a sandwich so I didn't get hungry. That was it. But, you know, it's... Um, my ambition was to just be away from noise and, and not live as an adult the way I had to live as a kid because I didn't... I wasn't afforded anything else. You know, I don't need a fancy car. I don't need to holiday twice a year. I don't need the latest phone. I need contentment. So... I will always just try and find a job that pays my bills, buys my food. And I, have, I do have a higher cost of living because I only like about 10 food items and I have kitchen issues, so I have to order takeout all the time. So I have a higher cost of living when it comes to food anyway, which is uh, something I should be able to uh, you know, sort out one day, but who knows. Um, but money doesn't hold value is what I'm trying to say. Money is a stepping stone for me to get to where I need to be. I don't need the money as what it is and what it is for other people. It's not, you know, like if somebody 
holds a stack of money and it's £10,000. It's like, for me, I go, oh, okay, right, well, um, thanks for this, so I'll spend it on a new bathroom or a new kitchen. It's just the gateway. You know, it's like I'm passing it to someone else. I don't get hold of it and feel anything about it. You know, and I think the crazy thing, which I'll end on, because I know I'm just waffling about the same things over and over again, is, you know, this uh, old school friend of mine, someone passed a bit of a story on to me and they said, one of the main reasons they would love to win the lottery is because they want to be able to come and knock on your door and rub it in your face. And I thought, well, that's unfortunate for them, isn't it? Because I know money doesn't buy you happiness. And if they felt that they needed to do that, you know, them winning the lottery has no impact on me whatsoever. I won't get jealous because they will want to live a life that is not mine to live. I want contentment. All it would do if I won the lottery is buy me freedom. So that's why I play it. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have to socialize in forced situations that I actually can't get out of. I want to be able to live as close to my natural state as possible. And the only way to do that would be winning the lottery. So if he did knock on my door to rub it in my face, he doesn't know me, so it wouldn't have an impact. But I'd just wish him all the best and that it brings him the contentment that he clearly needs. So money doesn't have much to me. I just need it to, like I say, break even. And that's it. Now, if this didn't make any sense, I apologize. Um, I just kind of wanted to let it out. But thanks for watching. And until next time, keep smiling.